My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. We've been in this series called Reset, where we're taking a look at our belief, our faith. We're asking questions about what would it look like to really kind of re-examine why we do what we do. You're here in church or you're checking us out online. And why are you here, really? I mean, we all have a belief system. We all have a faith that we either inherited, maybe we got from our mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or youth pastor, pastor. Somewhere, someone introduced us to Jesus And along the journey, we believed some things, we began to practice some things, we developed some habits, and we developed just some new stories in our life. And then life kind of takes a hit, right? Uh, Life begins to be challenging. It could be because the dreams that you had and the hopes that you had maybe didn't quite work out. Maybe you were single and wanted to be married and you never, never got married. And there was a hurt and there was a pain. Maybe there was that anger, a bitterness toward God. Maybe you got married and then there was a hurt and there was a pain and there was a bitterness toward God. Life is difficult, right? Life is painful. Or you lived your life and and, um, maybe you developed a relationship with someone and they betrayed your trust. Or you lost that relationship. Maybe they passed away. You know, life deals a lot of very challenging blows. And in the midst of all of that, we have this belief system, this faith that's generating from the inside out. And we begin to wonder, is it really true? Or maybe is it really working? Or maybe you developed a strong belief system as a child and, and you went to university or you went to college and a professor looked at you and singled you out because somehow they knew you were a Christian. And because you were a Christian, they went on the attack. And they said, come on, it's foolish to believe in that. You need to grow up and become a thinking adult. Become independent and learn some new things. The Bible isn't accurate. Jesus never existed. People made those things up. In fact, religion is just a crutch for people who are too weak to live life. Let's become a real person now. Or maybe you're reading the Bible, and I encourage you to read the Bible. But sometimes when you read the Bible, if you've ever really read the Bible... And I think a lot of Christians don't. I, I, was, I was talking to a friend about this. I, I think a lot of Christians know Bible verses, but they don't know the Bible. In fact, when I started reading the Bible, it really challenged me because I read things in the Bible that questioned how I viewed God. Like, how could a loving God, oh, there's a lot of those, right? How could a loving God allow 
such atrocities or even command the Hebrews to come in and destroy a whole city, to wipe everybody out. It doesn't like jive with my understanding of God. Or how could a loving God give certain rules when I don't like those rules? Somebody met me in the parking lot and was greeting everybody and talking and asking how the week was. And it seems like half of my week is just email, answering email and answering questions that people have. And I love that. And so please bring those on because I enjoy it. I enjoy the dialogue. And yet every once in a while, I have to come back to this bottom line statement. And it's this. If the God we believe in says things we don't like, what do we do about that? Do we try to rewrite the Bible? That's super popular, right? That's easy. Man, I wish I could write my own Bible. That'd be awesome. The Bible according to James, you know, King James Bible, the real King James Bible. You know, that'd be awesome. You might not like it, but I'd be in heaven. Or what if our culture changes? What if the sensibility of our culture changes? And what if we wrestle with what God says? Or what if people abused the Bible and made it say things? And now we're opening the Bible. We're like, I don't know about what I believe anymore. And so that's why we're in this series. Because I want us to strip away all of that. It's been a tough, a very tough, challenging year and a half, two years with COVID. And a lot of things had to be reset, right? Let's reset our faith. And let's go back to the very question That is the ultimate question. In fact, we're going to talk about that today. And it's really, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And is he inviting us or calling us or challenging us towards something? And if so, let's start there. And let's rebuild our faith from the ground up. Now, today I want to talk about this, this question, and I didn't even plan on talking about it until in some of those emails and everything, I thought this would be really important to talk about, and it's this question right here. What actually is faith? I think as a church person, and I've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years, it's easy to assume we understand what faith is, and to assume that some people have faith and some people don't have faith. We kind of walk through life, and we're a person of faith, and maybe they don't have any. Well, I want, to, I want to kind of talk about this, and I heard this years and years and years ago, and I love it. A little child was asked the question, what is faith? And she replied, believing in what you know isn't true. I like that. I think it's funny. It's a little scary because no one's laughing, right? Now, that's not a good definition, But for a child, it's like, you know, that whole dinosaur thing and then the Noah's Ark thing and the Bible thing and the parting the Red Sea and the plagues. And I mean, Jesus walking on water and raising people from the dead. And the one, one of my favorites, when one of the prophets, Elisha's dead and buried, he's like in a tomb, actually, in a bottom of a pit. And they throw a dead guy in the bottom and his body touches the bones of the prophet. He springs back to life. I'm like, seriously? I mean, like an axe head floats. Those are some questions, right? And yet when you think about it, it's like, is faith really believing in what you know isn't true? Or is there something deeper to faith? And maybe our experience will lead us to understand some things we didn't know before. And where is the gap between what we've experienced, I mean, in this world, in this life, and what we need to believe in? And where is that? And is that faith? Well, what I want to talk about today is the idea that we all live by faith. Now, I was talking to my mom last week after the service, a nine o'clock service, and she was talking about a gentleman that she interacted with in her apartment complex, 75 years old, 
old guy that she's hanging out with. Maybe you're 75 and you're going, that's offensive. I'm young. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Um, but I'm 56, so that's old. Okay, all right. But to some of you, I'm old. <laughs> it's all about perspective. And so she's talking to this guy and, and interacts, as she does, with him about faith and belief. And, and he says, well, I'm an atheist. It's like, great, what do you mean by that? That's one of my favorite questions. What do you mean by that? A lot of people don't know what they mean by that. They just adopted a title. Maybe somebody told them the title or they hid behind the title or it's a convenient title. Some really know. And he goes, yeah, I don't believe there's a God. So my mom, in her casual, normal way, she's like, well, let's talk about that. How'd you get there? I don't really know. When I was young, my mom told me there was no God. I've just kind of lived that way my whole life. Hmm. Well, how do you know that that's true? What if you're wrong? You know, these are good questions, right? <laughs> you're like, yeah, you write these down. These are good questions, you know? And um, it's like, I don't know. I guess I've never really dug into it. I've just accepted it. But I don't need faith. Well, my mom, she's so good. It's like, we all need faith. You have faith in the fact that there's no God. You have as much faith as I have faith. And it, sometimes I think we just push faith into a corner of religious folk. Uh, here, here's something I want to show you. We were taking a worldview class last weekend, and this, this popped up, and I'm like, I got to you know, change my sermon to include this because it's really good. You see, you and I all have a big story. We all have a big story. A big story is what we believe. It's kind of our experience. It's our journey. And your big story affects everything in life, and you build your belief on that, all of your beliefs, and so you live life out of that big story. And a lot of the big story depends on where you were born, where you were raised. You know, I was born in Indiana, okay? Midwest, they have like a big story, right? If you're from Indiana, it's about basketball, okay? So it, there's a big story where you're born. I was then raised in California. Trust me, that's a whole different big story, right? It is. It is a different big story. And you develop some beliefs. And if you live in the Pacific Northwest, if you live in Oregon, right, you have a big story. I hang out with pastors from all over different regions. And when I hang out with pastors that were born and raised in Eastern Oregon, they have a big story, right? And it's different than my big story. Because culture kind of creates this environment and we just assume it's all true or real. And we write the pages of our story every day. And that big story has a certain set of beliefs that follow along with that big story. I guarantee that. You grow up in a community and story develops and beliefs develop. And then you live your life. Now, the most important thing to realize is, is that everybody has one of these. Church people and non-church people. People of faith people who don't have faith, which isn't actually true because we all have faith. Or if I could go back to the typical understanding, people who believe in God and people who believe in science, which is ridiculous because I believe in science, okay? And God followed, he created it, okay? But, but what I want to do is I want to share about this today and I want to talk about it from the fact that all of us have questions, the big questions, I've, I've got them down here. Like, where did I come from? Who am I? What are the problems? What are my problems? What are the solutions? Where am I going in my life? See, we all long, we all yearn to live out our life based on our belief in big story. And what happens, what happens if somebody comes in and says something about our big story? We, that we just get defensive, right? Or, or our beliefs. Well, we believe our beliefs for a reason. Everybody does. 
We can't look at someone and go, you're foolish, you believe that belief. Well, you were taught that belief or you developed that belief. Somehow that belief evolved over time and that's your solid belief, right? And you live out life accordingly. You just do and it colors everything in your life. I want to share two quotes, uh, one from Leslie Newbigin. He, he was a missionary in India for decades, and he came back, and very, very amazing writer. The Gospel and Pluralist Society is a phenomenal book. I'd encourage every believer to read it, but it's, it's just challenging. And what he writes in here, he says, the way we understand human life, this is this thing I was just talking about, the way we understand human life depends on what conception we have of the human story, that belief, our big story, Right? What is the real story of which my life is a part? You have to ask that question. Maybe you've never thought about that question. Maybe you're saying, I didn't come to church so my head would hurt, okay? But you have to ask the question, why do I believe what I believe? What brought me to this set of conclusions? Because everybody has a big story, and you're trying to live your life out of that big story. Or this is from uh, social media. Rebecca writes this, friends sometimes tell me that they wish they had my faith. When this happens, I gently point out that they do. They just put it in other things. Faith isn't an extra app that some people have. It's our core OS, our core operating system. You see, while while, while faith might seem like something that religious people have, the reality is we all have it. Just a couple silly little illustrations. Silly illustrations. Every night, I set my phone on a wireless charger, and I set my alarm. Actually, it automatically sets. Automatically sets. And I have faith when I go to bed that my phone is not going to be dead and it's not going to not wake me up, right? It's faith, all right? It's not a lot of faith, okay, but it's faith. And every morning, it, it tries to wake me up, you know? Sometimes, usually, I'm up awake before it. If I forget, it goes off, right? That's just simple faith. I drove here today in a car, and I know a lot about cars. I love cars. I love working on cars. Um, newer cars, a little, little more challenging because everything's computer. But um, I've got a, a car I'm working on. We built a motor that I've been working on, a transmission rear. And I like that stuff. I, I like how things work. I like diagrams. I like gears. You know, I like understanding that. I'm rewiring my entire car, my old car. I like that. I can figure things out. And I know the exact tolerances that machinists use when they make cars. But I got to be honest. When I'm driving down the road... I have a lot of faith in my car. I was in Idaho. It's 85 mile an hour in Idaho. Isn't that awesome? It was awesome. Leaving Boise, driving to Mountain Home, 85 miles an hour, just set that cruise. It was like, this is flying. I'm looking at my RPMs, and I'm thinking, my car doesn't usually normally drive this fast. I wonder how it's doing. No, I'm not thinking that at all. I'm just driving, right? My buddy and I drove down to North Bend. We went down four hours had a two-hour lunch and came back four hours. That was part of job, right? Meeting with pastors. I just make sure there's gas. That's, I, don't, I have faith that the people who built my car just know what they're doing, right? I just have faith. It's just simple faith. I just get in my car and drive. You do the same thing I drove here today. You know, or, or the other day, man, I don't know if the windstorm, you guys think about the windstorm? Man, it was crazy. It wasn't as much rain so much as wind was blowing sideways. And I took a picture of our Japanese maple in the front of the house. And I'm glad I did because the next day there was nothing on it. It was just twigs, right? It's like it was a good day to take a picture of leaves because they're gone. They're actually everywhere right now. And so that's another job we have. But, but I, man, the wind was battering. And we've had some serious wind. And we live out on a farm. And there's 100 acres around us. So wind will just whip down through those hills. And I know we've seen incre- incredible windstorms. We, every time there's a windstorm, branches are falling down. We have huge trees all around us. 
And I went to bed that night with this howling wind. I had to put earplugs in with the faith that the people who designed and built my home did it to exact tolerances and specs. And I can go to bed. It's not going to blow over. I'm not one of the three little pigs, right? It's going to be fine. We all exercise faith. Let's not look at religion and say that's a special faith. It's just faith. That's what it is. Now, I want to change the word. Let's go back to this diagram and let's pull the word belief out and put the word faith in it. It's the same word. It's the same word. So what is belief? What is faith? It's not a religious word, actually. We've made it a religious word. If you were to go into any environment, school perhaps, or work, or the gym, or wherever, you say, I want to tell you about my faith. They're immediately going to assume you're talking about religion. But if you were going to say, I want to talk about my belief, they'd be a whole lot more open to that. Because what do you believe? Ooh, it's interesting. What do you believe? We have beliefs, right? But it's the same word. Somehow the word faith has become Christian or religious, and only people who uh, need a crutch... People who have to have the opiate of the masses, as Mark said, this is, this is what you have is faith. But everybody has faith. Everybody has belief. It's a big story. Everybody practices it. Before the Enlightenment, if you study history, God was a part of all aspects of life. I'm not saying people followed him, but he was a part of all aspects of life. And the narrative was that God was everywhere and involved in everything You didn't follow it necessarily, but you believed it. That was part of faith. It was part of it. And then with the enlightenment came this division where we now have intelligence or science or knowledge or reasoning and faith. And they're opposite. And you can't believe in both. You cannot be an intelligent person and be a Christian is what people would say. And so what do you do with that? When now faith has been relegated to a small little box, a corner, And you go, well, I have faith, but I don't know. I don't know what to say to people who don't have faith. And I I know there's a lot of science out there, and I don't know what to say when I read about, you know, some of the changes that people read about in evolution or this or that, or I don't know what to believe, you know, because we've shoved our faith into a small box. And people didn't used to believe that. God was a part of everything. Again, I'm not saying people followed him. I'm just saying it was acknowledged. Now we're in a different age, an age of reasoning, an age of enlightenment, and only people who need it have faith. But that's not true. We all exercise faith, and we all live our big story out of that. That's called life. Now here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, would you just take a moment and strip all of your religious beliefs out of that? You could put that on the side of a train in graffiti, and people would understand that. Belief, right? However you're living your life, belief shows the reality of what we hope for. We all hope in things, right? We hope in things. Man, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping for the Raiders, man. I mean, they had a good game. They have a bye week. That's great. Some of you poor saps are hoping for the Seahawks, right? You know, I mean, come on. No, don't leave, please. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. We all have belief, right? We do. Some are shooting for Houston. Some are shooting for Atlanta this week, right? You believe, right? If any of those are your teams, right? The chiefs, right? You believe in something, whether it's political or whether it's social, whether it's financial, you have belief. Belief 
what you're hoping for. We're all hoping for stuff. It's the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Everybody lives life with that Bible verse in mind. And now you bring it into the religious context. And now we're talking about some faith in God or faith in something beyond the mere, maybe the mere tangible parts of life. We all have belief. We all see the effects of our, what we hope for, right? Now, if you put it in a religious context, you go down a few verses to verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Now we really are talking about something religious, spiritual. Okay, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe, must have faith that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Everybody has faith and everybody has a big story and they live their life out of that and therefore that's what they live and that's what they believe. As a follower of Jesus Christ, our faith is in that, Jesus Christ. So it's not that we don't have science. Of course we do. It's not that we don't have knowledge. Of course we do. We just are honest about our faith and our belief. Now, I've heard the phrase seeing is believing, and that's true. But the opposite is even more true. (laughs) Believing is seeing. It's amazing the power of the mind. It's true that if we want to put our faith in something, sometimes we begin to believe in it more and we surround ourselves with evidence that supports our belief system. Let me take you on a little journey for a minute. We live in a world today where two groups of people can look at the same facts and come to two completely different conclusions and they have 100% faith in what they say is true about it. And you know what I'm talking about because we just went through an election, right? We, we, we either went through an insurrection or we went through a friendly rally. And both sides 100% believe their truth. I have watched reporters present video of what happened on January 6th. And some people say, well, see, that was friendly. They were shaking hands. They, they, they weren't hitting them to hurt them. And other people are go, that was anger. I mean, I, I first like woke up to this. A number of years ago, when someone went on TV and showed pictures and showed statistics, and another person showed, well, we have alternative facts. I'm like, alternative facts? Is three plus three, three anymore? I don't know what world I live in. Well, we live in a different world where people can look at the same thing and come to completely opposite conclusions and continue to believe what they believe. I mean, have you ever been on YouTube? Some of you are watching on YouTube. Great, stay with us, okay. I mean, I just was poking around. I was showing my son some things. I'm like, let's check out some flat earth stuff. And um, they're like hours. You're two and three hours watching a flat earth video, okay. And we're this big pizza streaming through space. And the crust at the edge of the pizza are all the mountains. And that holds all the water in. And the gravity is because of how, okay, People watch this and they believe it, okay? Um, or, or other things. I mean, you could look at the man on the moon. These are some older arguments. We never landed on the moon. It was, um, you know, one of these, you know, 
basically hoaxes or like the JFK thing. Again, most of us are older. We know that. Like, who killed JFK? Was it this or was it that? Depending on what film you see, depending upon who you read, you have conspiracy theories galore today. UFOs, the Pentagon releasing UFO tapes, things like UFOs. They're all UFOs because it just means unidentified flying object. It doesn't mean they're alien. Well, they are alien because they're different to us, but it doesn't mean they're from outer space necessarily. But you could... Two people can sit there and watch the same film and come to 100% different conclusions and argue their opinion. We live in a world where everything is contested and contestable. I brought that up a number of months ago from Charles Taylor. We live in an age of skepticism. And so what do we do with all that? I, I watched it this week. I saw a reporter stand there and talk, interview a guy who's totally into QAnon. Absolutely 100% into QAnon. And the guy, reporter introduces the question. So who's the president? Trump is right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah, okay. Okay, wh- wh- who's Biden? Well, he's a clone. And, you know, you know because his earlobes are a little bit longer and blah, 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 all this. So who's, who's in charge of our country? Trump is. How long has he been charged? All the time. Okay, so what about this Afghanistan pullout? Well, that's not him. That was Biden. And I'm like, okay, where did logic go in our world? It's not there anymore. Now, here's the power of belief, and this is important. It's powerful, and belief is necessary, and faith is necessary, but it requires some sort of evidence, right? Even if it's a quirky guy on YouTube. And here's what we do. Here's why faith is powerful, and here's why faith is dangerous, is that we continue to head down a a road, and we only listen to what we want to listen to. And you know, religious people are guilty of that, just like conspiracy people are guilty of that. Political people are guilty of that. Social justice people are guilty of that. Environmentalists are guilty of that. Republicans are guilty of that. Democrats are guilty of that. We all believe what we want to believe, and all we do is surround ourselves with people who say the same thing. That's called an echo chamber, and that's why it's dangerous. And sometimes religious people do it. I'm, uh, I'm going to say this. I want to say this in love, but I lived in Boise for five years, and I was constantly interacting with Mormons. And I discovered that there are a lot of closet doubters. They, they, they just they don't want to go public with their faith. And when I'm interacting with people and sharing about Jesus, they know that they don't believe what everybody in the community believes, but they have to believe because they can't leave the community. And that's true of church sometimes. People sometimes still go to church, not because they have faith in God anymore. It's just, these are all the social groups. I listened to five, more than hours, but five podcasts on deconstructionism of a guy encouraging Christians to deconstruct their faith. And, and his, one of his conclusions was, but church is really good for social. So even if you don't believe any of the God stuff, church is good for you because we all need relationships. What, what do you do with the fact that if you come to terms with a reality that's different than what's all around you, you're either going to walk away from it or not? See, that's why faith is powerful. It's challenging. Now, I say all that because I want to tell you what I believe. I want to tell you what I have faith in. Because I believe that faith, and I'm going to use it in the spiritual term just as well as I would talking about a Subaru. Okay. All right. Talking about a computer or a phone or a house. My faith shows the reality of what I'm hoping for. And I see evidence everywhere of what I can't see, but the evidence I can see. And I believe that the faith that I've discovered as I read the pages of Scripture point me to God and give me 
even more faith. And it points me to a God who exists and that he will reward me. I just want to be honest with you that this is the big story I'm living out of. And it all comes down to two things. It comes down to a person and an event. Everything that I believe comes down to that. First of all, person. You know who the person is, obviously. It's Jesus. Jesus was a real person. He was a real person who lived around 2,000 years ago, born probably four B.C. maybe, which is really a conundrum if he was born four years before Christ. Um, but, but he was born about 4 B.C., maybe 6 at most, but 4 B.C., and uh, was crucified. Uh, when he, well, when he was 30, he started on a journey of discipling people, of healing and teaching and all that. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the scriptures there, plus all the other experiences of those who followed Christ, and like Paul afterwards. And so, you know, those closest to him believed that he was the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the one sent by God to redeem them out of the slavery. Now, they thought it was slavery to Rome, it was slavery to sin, okay, and we're included in that now. But they believed that he was God. And they believed in what he said. And what did he say? Well, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be thrown into the hands of the religious people and I'm going to be killed and three days later, I'm going to come back to life again. And they're like, yeah, but which one of us is going to be first? I want to be the best. It's like they totally missed it. You read in the Gospels a number of times. He didn't just drop little hints. He's like, guys, tell, let me tell you something. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And I'm going to come back to life in three days. They're like, they missed that. They totally missed that. They did not believe that at the time. And we know they didn't believe it. Because Jesus goes to Jerusalem. He's thrown into the hands of the religious people. They hand him over to the Romans. He's crucified. And what do his followers do? They scatter. A couple stay. But for the most part, they scatter even the disciples. Except John and Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus. But pretty much everybody's running for their life. Why? Because they're next. That's all they can conclude. They're, they've been following him for three years, developing this belief system, this big story, this faith that he's the anointed one. And now he's gone, and for three days they're in hiding. And they really believed that he was dead. Now, this week, I'm going to throw out a video. i got to record it. My wife and I are going to Phoenix on a trip with pastors, and, and I'm going to I'll stay up one night in my hotel room and record like an hour video why I think that the Bible is accurate and miracles and resurrection. So I'll, I'll put that on Facebook and YouTube or something like that. But I just want to tell you in a nutshell, they believed he was dead. How do I know that? Well, they went in hiding and they're next. And then the ladies go to the tomb to anoint what? Not a living guy, a dead guy. Okay. All their hope was gone. They went to finish the embalming process, as it were, because they couldn't do it because the Sabbath was approaching, the Jewish holiday of Passover was approaching. And so therefore, they go and he's gone, he's alive. And the angels appear and they say this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Check this out. Remember what he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. That's the event. I believe in a person, a historical figure, Jesus, who claimed to be God, 
very clearly claimed to be the way, the truth, and life, the only way to the Father. And he was crucified because of that. He was handed over to the Romans and he was killed. And I believe in an event that three days later he rose again from the grave. Why do I believe that? Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure dead people don't come back to life. I mean, I know there are stories of been eight minutes dead, 23 minutes dead, and you see light and people have written books and things like that. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone that's beat to the point of death a sword pierced in his side, a crown of thorns, nails in his hands, in his feet. Romans were executioners. They knew what they were doing. Jesus was dead. They didn't even need to break his legs because he had stopped breathing. And his body is taken down and laid in a tomb. And that's it. He's dead. And then all of a sudden, he's not dead. He's alive. And he's talking. And he's appearing, and he's eating, and he's, he's teaching. And for 40 days, he's appearing among his disciples, and not just one person, but hundreds and hundreds of people see him. And they give testimony. This guy that was dead come, came back to life because we've seen him. We've eaten with him. We've touched him. We've talked with him. We've walked with him. We've had experiences with him over many, many, many days. And then he goes back up to heaven. And then they go and they just tell everybody the story. That there's peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now, I know it's pretty far-fetched, but everybody went out there and they told the story. Why? Because it's a true story. And I'll talk about this on this online video, how, of course, religious people say religious things. But where is the backing up of that? Because you don't willingly die for something you know you're making up and fabricating. And you don't see mass hallucinations. And when Jesus appeared, Jesus sent them on a message. And on a message in a ministry of saying, I'm alive, go tell everybody. And all it would have been necessary is go back and find the body. Go back and point out the obvious. But people in mass believed in Jesus. Christianity is based on faith. I just got to be honest. It's based on faith. I'm not denying that. But everybody has faith. Here's what we have faith in. A single person, Jesus, and belief in a single event, his resurrection. That's it. Long before the Bible was written down, hundreds of years before ever the Bible was composed in the form we would see it today. I mean, it was written early, you know, soon after, but in the way that it was mass produced, people had belief in a person, Jesus, and an event, the resurrection. And here's why I have faith in this. His disciples spread the message. They spread it out. They had nothing to gain. They had seen him killed. They had seen him buried in a tomb. They had seen him resurrected. The tomb was empty. He appeared and they went. You know what? They didn't just go. They died horrible deaths because of this. They willingly gave their lives. I'll talk more about this next week. But Peter died crucified upside down. You don't do that if you're faking it. Paul died beheaded. You don't do that if you're faking it. The disciples all gave their lives in horrible persecution because Jesus was alive and Jesus was dead and Jesus was alive again. And the only way to explain that is he's God. And if he can die and come back to life again, and if he actually predicts that, that's good enough for me. All right. What are you going to do? I believe that there's proof and I believe that there's a resurrection. And I believe you personally have to ask the question, who is Jesus? What are you willing to put your faith in? I've put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in the fact that he rose again. I'm not putting my faith just in generic faith. 
I'm not just putting my faith generically in the Bible and whatever it says. I'm investigating it. I'm digging down into the reality of it. And I want to know that what I read is true. And you dig into science when you do that. You dig into authenticity. You dig into history. You don't just blindly accept things, right? You want to know because your life is at stake. In fact, more than that, the next life is at stake. Your eternity is at stake. What are you putting your faith in? For me, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. So I'll send that video. I'll post it. I'd love to dialogue on it. I enjoy emails. Um, I, again, if there's questions we can answer, man, we want to be about that. We are not the kind of religious group that says, faith is believing what you know isn't true. <laughs> we believe in what we have confidence in and certainty in, and that is Jesus and his resurrection. Pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for the fact that you have given every person on the planet faith, belief, trust in what we can't always see. And our trust is in you, God. Our trust is in your son, Jesus Christ. Our trust is in the reality that you did send him. He was the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior sent to redeem us, to die on a cross, to carry all of our sin, to carry the weight of the punishment that all of us rightly deserve because of our mistakes and sins, and then to live again to give us hope, and then to send us all out on a message as the church, the followers of Jesus, boldly proclaiming that, yeah, we believe in a guy, and we believe that he died and rose again. And that changes everything, because now you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.